Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When I started college, my mother and little sister moved into an old house way back in the woods in Mississippi. The road leading up to it went from four-lane highway to two to gravel to dirt track, to two ruts worn into the dirt, with branches slapping up against the sides of your car as you drove it. It was miles from the nearest town, and that town was very small, and many, many more miles from the next town. It was isolated, is what I'm saying. The owner, who was the nearest neighbor, told her it had been built in the 20s sometime, but it was sturdy and well-maintained. A simple but handsome little house. Shotgun style with a concrete porch on the front 
and a backyard big enough for maybe some chickens and pigs if you wanted them. All around it, nothing but miles of forest. There was no air conditioning. Normally for my mom that would be a big no, but there was an attic fan which worked really well at keeping the temperature under murderous. And because of the isolation and age, it was a dirt cheap rental. Moreover though, mom took it because she said that from the moment she set foot on the property, she got this happy positive feeling about it, a kind of peaceful vibe. She said it felt like a home more than a house. When I came to visit for the first time, I had to agree. I immediately felt this sensation of welcome there. Almost like it was constantly a holiday, and any minute someone you love is going to come through the door. Maybe I'm overselling it, but it was just a nice little place to be. It was only a couple hours drive from me, so I visited as often as I could, especially when I felt like I needed a retreat from school. One night I was there for a weekend, sitting in the living room and waiting for dinner when I heard my sister and mom from the kitchen talking about the Indians. I couldn't hear exactly what they were saying, but it sounded like people they knew. As far as I was aware, the local native tribes were way long gone from the world, and so I was curious who they meant and asked her later at the table. Oh, sometimes we see these people running through the backyard from the kitchen window. Your sister calls them Indians. But they just look like children, playing to me. We only ever catch glances of them through the window. If you go outside, they're never there. She went on to tell me she had seen all sorts of unusual things since they moved in. Mostly small things that could easily be explained. Two were very strange, though. The positive feeling she'd felt about the place had bloomed into a full-on nurturing. To the point that when she went to bed at night, she felt as if the house was tucking her in. No physical sensation, just a sense of being loved. And she kept seeing lights in the front room. She said at first she thought it was cars pulling up into the front yard and light reflecting off, then into the windows. But she never heard a car and would go outside to find no one there. It was almost like someone shining a mirror into the windows, just moving glints and flashes. Oddly, no one found any of this disturbing. I never saw any of that myself and things went on as usual. Then my first year ended and I came for one last visit before going out of town for my summer job. It was late one night, and I was sitting out on the front porch enjoying a cigarette. The stars that far out into nowhere are amazing. I was happy for the way the year had gone and excited for the summer and just enjoying the night. It was hot, but there was a little bit of a breeze. I could hear the hum of the attic fan behind me in the house, and from the woods the whine and chirp from the crickets and cicadas and countless other night critters. Those of you who've heard it know it has some variation. This symphony, but is a constant wall of sound. I had mostly tuned it out, thinking of not much of anything, when I noticed it seemed to be getting louder. Then it was definitely getting louder. Then it was kind of scary loud. And then it just stopped. Full on, full stop. Not a chirp, or a creak, or croak. Not only that, but I couldn't hear the fan going inside anymore. Even the light breeze had stopped. Just silence all around. I was afraid I'd suddenly gone deaf, but I could hear my feet scraping on the porch and my own breathing. I thought about making a bigger noise or calling out, but I was startled by the suddenness of it. I also figured that that many things going silent all at once might be a precursor to something else. Sure enough, I started to hear something else. It was a sort of rhythmic thrumming, very faint, a steady and soft hoom-hoom sound. 
low almost like a heartbeat. It built a bit, but never got loud, always just barely over the threshold of hearing. It almost could have been a train, but there were no tracks anywhere near us. The weather was clear, the highway far off. It didn't sound mechanical anyway, but it didn't sound entirely organic either. I walked off the porch into the front yard to try to hear it better, and I could feel it in the ground. This soft pulsing in time with the sound. I was barefoot, but I think even with shoes I'd have noticed it. I could feel it in my ankles and knees, the whole world beating like a big heart. After a while, I wasn't even sure if I was really hearing it or just feeling it. There was no major change from that point on, although I imagined it was continuing to build. Then, after some time, I have no idea how much it just stopped. No fade, just silence again. Then, just as suddenly as they had stopped before, the crickets and other noisemakers started up again. I went inside and went to bed. Mom had to move out of the house while I was away for the summer reference story. But she still talks about it. She told me she'd mentioned all this stuff to the owner, who was a very nice older lady, and that she suddenly went all cagey on her and didn't want to talk about it. Last I heard the owner passed and her heirs sold the land. The house is surely gone now. It all began in the heart of Appalachia. That's where I first had the encounters that would forever change my perspective on the world. I'm not one for tall tales or flights of fancy, but what I saw, as absurd as it sounds, was real. I remember the day as clear as a bell. I was walking through the woods, lost in the peaceful rhythm of nature, when I noticed a peculiar movement in my peripheral vision. As I squinted, trying to make sense of what I was seeing, my eyes landed on a small figure, no more than 12 inches tall. It was a tiny man or so, it seemed, dragging another creature by the ankle. I could barely believe what I was seeing, but there was no denying it. The creature being dragged was no ordinary critter. It was a fairy, and by the looks of it, either unconscious or worse. I know how preposterous it sounds, trust me. I've wrestled with the logic of it for years, but I saw it with my own eyes. The tiny man and the fairy, right there in the heart of Appalachia's fast forward four years, and I found myself face to face with the unbelievable once more. Again, I was in the woods, not far from where I had the first encounter. This time I saw fairies, a whole group of them, fluttering about, their wings shimmering under the filtered sunlight. I don't expect anyone to believe me, at least not anyone who hasn't seen it, with their own eyes. Telling this story is a risk, one that opens me up to ridicule and disbelief. Yet the truth of what I saw remains etched in my memory. It's a secret I carry, one I can't share with the people I know in real life. They wouldn't understand, wouldn't be able to accept it. But maybe, just maybe, there are others out there who've seen what I've seen, who know that sometimes reality is stranger than we could ever imagine. March 18, 2023. I was awoken in the middle of the night at about 3 or 4 a.m. The room was still dark, but there was a slight glow to the room. I was half-conscious and gradually regained more awareness with my eyes fully open. My body was completely paralyzed, but I was fighting and screaming at the entities in the room. I used every strength I had to fight them, reaching my hands out and screaming what I thought was aloud but was telepathic. My body lost all functioning, 
and I couldn't even open my mouth to scream. But I did mentally as loud as I possibly could. I knew they heard every word I screamed at them. I fought them with all the energy I could. I told them they have no authority to touch me or take anything from me. That I had my free will, and they were not permitted to do anything to me. I felt them put more energetic force on me, and I began to get more and more tired, unable to stop them, and felt I couldn't fight them any longer and just give up. I heard in my mind to just give up that I could not fight them. I felt like they were taking my baby from me. I had not had my period in two and a half months, and I felt I was pregnant, but was not completely sure because of my age, 45. I felt it could be premenopausal symptoms as well, i.e. eventually tired and felt myself sinking deeper into unconsciousness. I saw more than one being in the room. There was one very tall figure about six or seven feet tall. It was wearing a robe-like gown, and it had two distinct protrusions on its large skull and forehead. It seems to have authority over the matter. There were more beings in the room smaller than the larger one. Not sure how many but I feel there were at least two more. I remember I really hated the taller one as it seemed to have no care for what it was doing to me and what could have possibly been a small embryo of mine. I don't know if they impregnated me or if I was pregnant with my partner and they took the small fetus from us. I don't know if I was even pregnant for sure. It was just a feeling and I was screaming out to them in the middle of the night. I very quickly fell deep asleep. The next day... I felt it was a horrible nightmare that my eyes were fully open to see what I saw. But I knew very well this was a familiar feeling to me, as in 1994, I had another similar experience with two small graces in the middle of the night when they temporarily paralyzed me and shoved something up my nose. At that time, I thought it might have been a terrifying nightmare, but over the years, I was shown footage of abduction accounts and realized they were very similar to my own experience and began to realize that those experiences were as real as they felt. A couple days after this incident took place, I had the intuition to check my body to see if there was any visible evidence from my experience. So just before I had a shower, I had a look around my body, and then I noticed an indentation on my mid-back right side, just along my spine. It felt like a hole in my back with a layer of skin on top. It was something very unusual and an unlikely thing to find on your back. I feel some discomfort from it, and it feels like a wound as though it is in the process of healing. It's like a piece of tissue beside my spine has been taken. I feel a metallic feel around it, and it's slightly sensitive when I move or twist my back. I felt a lot of anger from this experience because I did not agree or give my permission to do whatever it is they are doing. I had to learn to just let it go and not allow fear or anger to overtake me. I do feel some fear of going to bed now and have noticed I am going to bed a lot later staying up until 2 a.m. My partner is away a lot, so I am sleeping alone most nights. I wonder if he had been there sleeping beside me if these beings would have come. I'm trying to have positive thoughts that maybe whatever these beings are doing to experiment with our DNA or embryosis for some greater good. I really hope so. Anyways, this last experience was not at all good. And I wonder if they truly were ETs or government posing as ETs. I'd love to go under hypnosis to know the truth. And for a doctor or specialists who is familiar with these type of extractions from the body to have a look at the indentation on my back. Thanks for listening.
I hope one day we will get more answers to what all these experiences mean. My mother died of cancer when I was nine. Fast forward through nine years of depression and trying to learn how to deal with it. Avid drug user to try and cope not healthy, I know. Decides to take powdered DMT, closer to ayahuasca than DMT really, a very spiritual drug. Have mild visuals for a couple hours, but nothing crazy. Decide to go for a walk by myself to this lake. My mother and I visited all the time as a kid. Start talking to her randomly because I'm feeling lost and confused in my life. All of a sudden, the wind picks up heavily, but only in a circle around me. I could see trees in the distance, not moving at all. Lake was still, literally only around me. Wind wasn't cold either. I could actually feel warmth just coating me like a hug. She could hear me and was trying to comfort me. Out of nowhere, a crane appears and flies down by the water. As I look at it, it turns, stares at me for 10 seconds, then vanishes into thin air. To this day, cranes have always resonated with me as my mother's spirit watching over me. People are going to say it was the drugs that made this experience happen. I don't care. At the time, and still now, I know she was there trying to communicate to me that everything was going to be okay. It's 2005. My daughter and I were visiting my papa after his quadruple bypass surgery. I set up camp for the two of us in the living room, which was on the opposite side of the house from his bedroom. My daughter was only three months old at the time, so I didn't want to run the risk of waking him during midnight feedings and whatnot. We're probably into the third week of our visit. It's about 2 a.m. and the little one wakes up for a feeding. I change her, feed her, put her back to bed. I'm wide awake now, so I laid back down on the pull-out couch and turned on the TV. I'm about 10 minutes into a Roseanne rerun when I start to hear sounds coming from the dining room, thinking it was my grandpa. I turned the volume down on the TV and called out to see if he needed anything. I didn't receive a response back, but now I can clearly hear the sound of rattling doorknobs. The dining room has double doors that open to the back deck. I sat up to look just beyond the kitchen into the dining room and there's no one there, but the doorknobs are still rattling. This is when I start to freak the F out. Someone's trying to break into the house and we're all gonna die. So what do I do? I curl into a ball on the bed because the sudden panic attack had taken over the ability to use my brain. Within seconds of curling into the fetal position, the doorknobs stop rattling. There's absolute silence. I swear I was laying there for what seemed like an hour, but it was probably only a couple of minutes. That's when I heard the footsteps. The living room and dining room are separated by a small kitchen. These footsteps started at the entrance to the kitchen from the dining room and made their way ever so slow and steady across the linoleum floor towards the living room where I Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. They frozen solid, the hair standing up on my arms and back of my neck. They stopped just short of the living room. And that was it. No more noise. No more footsteps. Whatever it was never retreated back in the direction it had come from. There was nothing. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. I once climbed the wrong couloir on the middle Teton after getting bad route advice. My camera worked fine before and after entering the couloir, but when I tried to take pictures from the base, it showed only weird ghostly images of the rock, with half the pixels missing. I ended up stranded alone on a ledge at 12,500 feet with no sleeping bag. Search and Rescue said I was the third person they knew about soloing the route that year. One died and the other barely survived with a severe brain injury. I turned out okay, but a dude died the same night on the route I should have been on. Not sure what my camera was trying to tell me. You know, where I go to school, there's a massive state park that is rumored to have an old Air Force research facility in the back corner of it. The front part is visited frequently by hikers, hunters, and whatnot. But if you wander into the back of it far enough, you find some really creepy stuff from meth heads to cults to a strange citizen. A couple of good ones come to mind. The ROTC program used to do field training out there once a semester, and part of it is a land navigation course. That pretty much consisted of the cadets out in the woods by themselves for around five to six hours navigating the land. I've heard from multiple people. They'll be walking to their next point or take a break on a tree and find human skeletons or bones. Another one that happened to me when some friends and I were hunting exploring one weekend. We were wandering through woods when we came up to a clearing. In the clearing is this old run-down and almost abandoned church. We didn't really think anything of it at first, but we noticed that there were things off with it. First the cross on the steeple was upside down. Then we noticed there were no windows on the building itself at all. We were about to come out of the clearing to have a look around when the door opened to it and a man in black robes came out for a minute and then went back inside. That's when we booked it out of there. I have tons of stories of that national park. I hate going there every time we go. But the stories that come out of it are something else. First of all, I have been very reluctant to tell this story in fear of being ridiculed. I did send a not-so-well written report to BFRO some years ago, and because I was in fear of being ridiculed, I did not participate in a follow-up investigation and therefore the story was not published. I have read some other reports people have submitted and can relate anyway to my story. I was driving one night in the coast range of Oregon above the small town of Falls City. I had some friends with me who will remain unidentified. We drove up the Black Rock Mainline Road and turned off onto a small dead-end logging road. As I turned left going up the ridge, I noticed there were some campers in the area. There were several vehicles parked alongside of the road. There were tents and a good campfire burning with people standing around the fire. I drove past the campers slowly and turned my truck around and headed back in the direction in which I came from. As I just started towards the campers, 
I heard a very loud howling type scream. The sound came from my left and behind me, down the hill, not from the area of the camp. The pitch of the scream was from low to high as I recall. The scream was very loud, as I heard it over the volume of my stereo, which in fact was quite loud at the time. The scream seemed to go on for some time, maybe as long as four or six seconds. We all were scared. The old expression of the hair raising up on the back of your neck is actually true and exactly what happened in this case. I drove out of the area ASAP. One of my friends and I returned the following day. During daylight, even being there during the day, gave me the creeps. The campers were gone. I did not get out of the truck and drove out of the area. I have been back to the area a few times over the years, initially to show people the area and during deer hunting season, I will not forget that night. Certainly I cannot say it was a Bigfoot, however it was a sound that was totally unnatural to humans, a sound I had never heard before and hoped to never hear again. My girlfriend and I brought our van to the campground, set up Christmas lights and turned the music up very loud. We were partying and drinking and having a good time until our driver's side door slammed shut very violently like somebody gave it full force. Nobody was around and we were the only ones in the campground. I grabbed my knife and waited but didn't see anything after that. It was very freaky. By the way, there was a post about the Bohemian Mines area. We have camped up there too. It's very remote. We felt a very strange presence up there. We had a humongous bonfire to keep all intrusions away. During the summer, I usually woke up early and went outside for walks or hikes at 5.30 a.m. I decided that I wanted to pick some staghorn sumac because it was August and at that time they're ripe. I walked from my house to the railroad tracks to start my walk. I walked a quarter mile down the tracks. I stopped and looked at some sumac trees that are along the side of the railroad bed with my flashlight because it was still dark outside. As I was looking at the sumac tree to see those fuzzy red cones, I see a person in the bushes behind this tree. It looked like a naked, pale, emaciated man hunched over running away from me while making no noise. I dismissed it as my brain screwing with me, but it did bother me a little. I was barely outside of my town limits when I saw this thing. I don't mind my terrible sentence structure. A powerful roaring scream was heard by Dana and Charmé while they were fishing on a dock approximately 150 meters west of the Hoover campground. Yes, located along the south side of Detroit Lake, where the Santiam River empties into the lake. The scream emanated from a point along the lake to the west of where the witnesses were fishing. Approximately 30, 40 seconds later, an unidentified fisherman was seen running away from where the scream had originated. Upon seeing him, the witnesses immediately joined the visibly panicked fisherman on the trail and the three of them continued running until they reached the relative safety of the campground. Once there, they ladies asked, Did you hear that scream? The shaken fisherman replied, Hear it. Whatever that thing is was right next to me. After their brief conversation, Dana and Charmaine quickly struck their camp and drove back to Portland.
I hunt on 800 acres in southern Ohio. The closest town is well over 15 miles away, and I'm about 5 miles from the closest house other than my own. I was in a tree stand during mid-October at around 5 a.m. I still to this day have no explanation for the man I saw walking on the trail adjacent to my stand about 100 yards away. He was wearing a yellow shirt, athletic shorts, and it didn't look like he was wearing shoes. It was still pretty dark at this time, so I couldn't see super well. It was also about 45 degrees that morning, which made things even slightly more confusing pertaining to his choice and outfit. I don't think he saw me. It would have been impossible to spot me from that far and that amount of light. The creepier thing is that none of the trails on our property come even close to any trails on the surrounding properties. I simply have no explanation for what I saw. As the leader of the Special Forces team, I am known by the call sign Phoenix. My team and I have faced countless dangerous missions. But this one, this one was different. We were dispatched to a remote Arctic research station that had gone dark during a deadly snowstorm. As we arrived at the desolate research station, the biting cold seeped into our bones and the deafening silence of the Arctic wilderness surrounded us. The heavy snowfall had blanketed the area, making it difficult to discern anything beyond a few feet. With our senses heightened and weapons at the ready, we cautiously entered the station. Inside, we found a scene of unimaginable horror. The bodies of at least 50 scientists were frozen, some even partially eaten. The brutality of what had occurred sent chills down our spines. Undeterred by the grisly sight, we knew we had to uncover the truth behind this tragedy. As we inspected around the base, the mist outside the windows obscured our vision. But then, through the haze, we caught a glimpse of something both terrifying and enigmatic. A creature unlike anything we had ever encountered before stood just beyond the research station. Its face was completely covered in white fur, with only a hint of a mouth barely visible from the distance of our cameras, which were surprisingly close despite the treacherous conditions. The creature's entire body seemed to be shrouded in fur, resembling the backside of a snow bear at first glance. But as it turned, the profile of its head revealed a distinct dome-shaped cranium and a sloping forehead, reminiscent of both gorillas and the legendary Bigfoot creatures of lore. Our hearts raced as the creature disappeared into the howling Arctic storms. Its screech pierced the air so high-pitched that we instinctively covered our ears to protect ourselves from its eerie call. Determined to unravel the mystery behind this elusive being, we set out to find and eliminate the creature. But as we combed the treacherous terrain, it became evident that this was no ordinary adversary. It moved with an agility and stealth that defied logic, evading our pursuit at every turn. Each time we thought we had it cornered, it would vanish into the unforgiving Arctic landscape leaving us with nothing but unanswered questions and a growing sense of dread. As the relentless Arctic storms raged around us, we knew our time was running out. The creature, with its mysterious origins and uncanny abilities, remained one step ahead, eluding our every attempt to capture or neutralize it. With heavy hearts and a profound sense of awe, we finally made the difficult decision to abort the mission and retreat. The Arctic wilderness 
had revealed a secret beyond comprehension, and we were left to grapple with the knowledge that there were forces in this world that defied explanation. Now, my dad was in the Army. He just retired last October, so we moved around a lot. Went from Washington State to Texas to Anchorage, Alaska, and it was there that my fear resurfaced and haunted me. We lived in a two-story house with a basement and an attic on Fort Richardson, just between Anchorage and a little town called Eagle River. The entrance to the attic was in the ceiling of the hallway, right at the top of the stairs. I'd never been up there. And in the two years we lived in that house, I never did. So it was a total mystery what was up there. I don't even think we stored anything up there. We put it all in the basement or the garage. Anyway, I always had this strange thought that like the Goosebumps episode, there was a sarcophagus with a mummy up there just waiting to come out and attack us. This was always just a strange fantasy to me until one day I was passing under the entrance to go to our computer room back when those were a thing. When I looked up, the square door was completely sealed but stuck in one side. Poking out into the hall was something brown, almost like a stained white something. It looked astonishingly like a bandage, like a centuries-old, dirty, grimy, blood-stained bandage, exactly like a nightmarish mummy might be wrapped in. We moved out that Christmas into a newer, bigger house across base my dad was high rank, and we'd originally just been eager to have a house— I tried not to think about the bandage or what it might actually be and avoided looking up in the hallway. I never found out, and I never asked if anyone else had seen it. Of course, it certainly couldn't have been a bandage, especially not a mummy bandage. What would an ancient Egyptian mummy be doing stowed away in an attic in Alaska? But I was like 10 years old and didn't know any better, always scared the crap out of me staying up at night wondering if he was up there sleeping, waiting, biding his time. I live in the suburbs of Southern California, San Diego County area, on several occasions when letting my dog out, I would see odd, silent, flying craft with spotlights shining, scanning around. My dog would growl and rub back inside. He would not leave my side for the rest of the night. And other nights, when my insomnia new kicks in, I don't fall asleep till about 4 a.m. During the summer nights, I leave my window open to cool down since I don't have air conditioning. Around 2.33 o'clock in the morning, I hear a screeching sound that sounds like no animal I know that lives around me. I heard a pack of coyotes make a kill when the feast the whole pack yelp and howls. They killed around three and the screeching started. The sound traveled so fast to the coyotes and then suddenly the sounds turned extremely violent. Heard at least four coyotes yelping in pain only to be silenced moments later. Seeing and hearing this shit makes me want to be home or a place where I am sleeping at by 2.30. If I am out later for any reason, I start watching the skies and turn down my music so I can hear. If I hear or see anything that is out of the ordinary, I pull over and lay as low and as quiet as I can. I get scared even more when my radio goes to random static in places that normally doesn't have any problems. I start moving again when the static clears or the screeching sounds far enough.
My boyfriend and I were on a hike in the mountains of Colorado and we're unaware. It was a secluded place. Until we got there. Our car was the only one parked at the trailhead. And after three miles on the trail, one set of footprints appeared in the snow going the same direction as us. There were no footprints coming back out. We even yelled and clapped a bit to make sure whomever it was wasn't hurt or stuck, but got no response.